just, he just, I think when I hear it, I think the mad bomber, what bombs at midnight, you know, like he just like skitters around villages going, <laughs> in my notes, the mad bomber at midnight. And he's got like those black, you know, spherical bombs with yep. the, the hissing, <laughs> with, yeah, with the hissing fuse at the top. <laughs> Hey, Maniacs. Happy holidays. Well, Thanksgiving. Wait, wait a minute. Not but, everybody celebrates Thanksgiving. But this is Christmas. Oh, well, maybe in the land of midsummer. Is it? I don't know. There's some tinsel. It's not a very Christmassy episode. I'm going to make this argument, okay? <laughs> this is a brutal, pretty br- brutal argument, okay? As a child, I witnessed the Star Wars Christmas special when it first broadcast, okay? Mm-hmm. So I was expecting Star Wars on my television and was definitely disappointed, mm-hmm. okay? I felt that pain and hurt real time, okay? Rewatching as a, this. As a child. Oh. <laughs> this may be the worst Christmas episode of a television show ever. In terms of it being Christmassy. It's yeah. not the worst episode of no, a no. television show no. ever, but it's, for- the worst a special Christmas holiday el- episode, episode. theme wise, it is only the tiniest veneer of Christmas. Yeah, and it's it it's worse at doing Christmas than the Star Wars Christmas special, and that is <laughs> <laughs> an echelon of badness. Oh, if you don't know, we're talking about Days of Misrule. That's season eleven, episode six, or our episode sixty-five. Midsummer Maniacs is a recap podcast of the ITV show Midsummer Murders. Each week, we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. Oh, you know what I love in this episode? What? Um, Tom. Tom is pretty good in this episode. Looking all sexy. I, I didn't. I, I, I. Even as a straight man, you will have noticed his bare chest in the kitchen. He did have a bear chest at about in the thirty kitchen. minutes in. Yeah, hubba hubba. Uh, just <laughs> to let you know, if your kids can't handle Tom's sexy chest, they can't handle this podcast. This episode is one again, once again, stuff that's of an adult nature. But and like the warning said, sexuality. I'm like, there's no sexuality in this episode. Yeah, you're in the money for sex business. <laughs> that's about it, Layla. That's that's the extent. Yeah. But that's all right. So we got some merch. Hey. So let's talk about the merch. The merch is selling like hotcakes. Thank you so much. And it's really fun to see photos of you guys in your merch. Yeah. I think the um, the Benbo shirt has become the official stay-at-home working outfit. It's which, no work clothes Benbo. Yeah, which is fantastic. Yes, thank you guys so much. We're... We're raising money for charity, for direct relief. Uh, every cent of profit will go directly to them, and we hope to hit $500 by Christmas, and we're making steady progress. We so. are indeed, and those pictures are just awesome. Yes. People with clothing on that we design, we meaning you, design, is just fantastic. It makes me super happy. I can only imagine. <laughs> Maybe I'll get some for Christmas, since it's the <laughs> Christmas episode. You have to keep reminding yourself it's the Christmas episode. Yeah, it's it's very much tacked on. Really, this show just does crap Christmas episodes because the last Christmas episode we had suicide. Uh, At least this time we didn't see it. It happened in the past and we didn't see it. There I, wasn't a sad dog <laughs> like last time. Also, I want to mention we got an email from Sarah with an H. So it's Sarah. Which is the right way to spell Sarah as far as I'm concerned. Yes. Um... Love your show so much. I uh, hadn't realized there were so many other maniacs out there. Oh, there are. We're everywhere. <laughs> Bunny helmet, I believe, is a bacchanalian mask. So that's from the Animal Within episode. Yeah, isn't that the helmet is sitting on a round table in like the atrium or the foyer of the house. And we just get these weird shots of it. It's just sitting there. Like, what? What is that? It's a bunny helmet. Yeah. But we didn't know what it was a reference to. This goes way back. Way back. 
So it's Bacchanalia armor. Yep. Uh, lots of good wishes <clears throat> from little old England. Take care, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. It's nice to finally know. Yeah. I thought it was probably something like that, but then I thought, you know, hey, maybe there was this, you know, mystical, you know, rabbit armor in medieval times that we've never heard of before. Well, they had armor that was in different animal things. Yeah, like little motifs. Yeah. But not big bunny ears that make you a target for easy head off knocking. No. (laughs) Knocking of head off. (laughs) Hey, you can hit me anywhere between my head and about a foot above my head and it will still hurt me. Go go ahead. Uh, This episode was filmed in February, March 2008 and not broadcast till the 24th of December. 2008. They kept it in the can for a while. This is the most crap day before Christmas Eve episode (laughs) ever. I don't know. Any new episode of Midsummer is a gift. Yep. Even if it's not the best Christmas episode, it's still a good episode. Directed by Rennie Rye and written by Elizabeth Ann Wheel. The village is Callum Cross and the aptly named pub. Did you catch the aptly named? No, I didn't. I tried to. Yes, it's the Callum Cross Inn. Oh. Well, that explains something, because when Layla is standing at the bar and uh, right at the beginning of the episode and Jamie is being super creepy because that's what he is, behind her there is a board that has numbers on it and a hook below each number. And I thought, why would you have that if you didn't have rooms? But if it's an inn, they do have rooms. So that's where they put the keys to the rooms. Did you see the most sexist uh, sign ever? Is it the one above the bar that I couldn't read? What's it say? It says, eat here every day. Keep your wife as a pet. Wow. That's bad on so many levels. (laughs) From so many different directions. That's horrible. I just couldn't believe it. I read it a few times and I'm like, (laughs) keep your wife as a pet. It doesn't even make sense. Does that mean that she doesn't have to do any work? You can just pamper her? And what does she eat? I don't know. Kibble, I guess. Well, we're introduced to the worst turtleneck ever. On the worst man ever. Oh, my gosh. Jamie is an abhorrent human being. He he is one of the most unlikable people we've ever seen in Midsummer. Absolutely. It's a good thing he dies later. He doesn't die quick enough. Oh, no. He's got to have time on screen to be a jerk face far and wide. He could have died a lot sooner. (laughs) Would have been yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, so he's creepy to Layla, who is the barmaid slash sex worker. Yes, Layla. Did I not say Layla? No, no. You said Layla. So where does she... We find out later that she goes to town all night with a friend to yes. do the, the sex, the sex for money work. business. Yes. Is that Coston that she's going to? Yes. Oh, the big city. The big city. Okay. Of Coston. <laughs> they have a high street. Well, you know, it's party all the time in Coston. If they had... Literal street walking prostitutes on the high street in Coston. They could only ever have like maybe four because they would just run into each other. They would just be a crowd. It's so tiny. It. I don't think there's a massive lady of the evening trade. In <laughs> so Jamie gets beat up in the woods by a guy with a gun. We don't know who it is. Nope. And Layla sees this on her smoke break. And then a big blue box gets dumped in a pond. Okay. It's not a lake, by the way. That is a pond at best. Okay. They have no idea what the word lake means. I come from Canada, the land of lakes. I think if you can easily swim across it without getting winded, it cannot be a lake. You could walk across that lake and not get winded. It's a farm pond. Yeah. Yeah. But we've got this whole area for this episode that is this mix of this territorial army base, right? Where they train new recruits for the, basically the reserves. Yep. And then we have this hospital that was a a country home turned um, veterans hospital. So there's that. And then there is this agricultural haulage company. And they all seem to be kind of right on top of each other geographically. Yeah. They it's like, like a triangle. It's like they've yeah. got woods that separate them in the center. And so all, that's where all the action is, right? It, it kind of shows that in the map in the magazine, too. And because of that, we get Tom and Jones on their team building exercise, the Territorial Army doing army games, and Jamie's haulage company uh, trying to smuggle cars in through vans that drive through the woods. Okay. Nothing. This is not, it's not a bad episode. It's a bad Christmas episode. We talked about all those things, but nothing disappointed me so much as realizing the black jumpers just had stickers on them. I know. I was like, 
they've got costume constabulary sweatsuits. They're just stickers on a black jacket. If I, I, ITV, you I, can do better than I, that. Well, I, well, no, I went through this whole thing. I'm like, if there is, if there, if that's embroidered on, somebody has one somewhere. Or even just screen printed. Yeah, screen printed. But it is a sticker. Somebody has one somewhere. I thought, this is it. I'm going to get an actual <laughs> midsummer prop in my house. It's It's going to, like... I want the map from the Rainbird's house. I want this jumper. I want like there are things the I midsummer really, haunting book really and, yeah. want from this show. But not if it's a sticker. And it's just a sticker. And I'm like, oh. But you know what? So here's a little good news. I have made that crest. Yes, you complete have. Complete with the badger. Yep. I have it. Yeah. I haven't used it yet, but I have it. And we could embroider it. On some shirts. We could easily have it screen printed. On a jumper. On a, a jacket like that, right yeah. where they have it. And yeah. and you could have that. It wouldn't be, you know, screen original used on the show. I don't want the screen original one. Now it's a sticker on a black jumper. <laughs> Maybe we should just make the stickers and then everybody can buy them and just stick them on whatever shirt they want. And then I'd have a name tag and it would say Mark. <laughs> Real big. Yep. <laughs> Because we don't go with titles. We go with first names. Right, Tom? Yes, sir. <laughs> because we need to reboot our relationships as well as our systems. That is the worst line. That is a misunderstanding of what relationships are, what rebooting is, <laughs> I know. and what rebooting relationships are. <laughs> so acting Chief Superintendent Cotton, and this is the key. You have to remember that he's acting right? Yeah. He's only chief superintendent until Christmas Eve and then he's out. So it's all right for Tom to kind of just disobey him left, right, and center. And I didn't get completely that. completely ignore him. Until I watched this version of <laughs> Because it. he's not sticking around. He's not actually Tom's boss and can't really do anything. But you got to give the guy credit for being very positive. He he's, is positive and he is patient. He is super. He's not a bad boss. No, he's he not. He cares about money. So mm-hmm. Tom doesn't have to. Right. He cares about people's feelings. He actually does. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's trying, man. Is better than the other guy who was Tom's sort of boss. But it's, he's clearly a reference to people who have uh, had more education and experience. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, he, what he knows is from books. So they're, they're off to this um, territorial army base. For a team building exercise. So do you know what Territorial Army is? I thought, I think, I don't know, tell me. It's like Army Reserve. Okay. That, like, that's all it is. They're it's, domestic. They're right? domestic. So and they do guys, things like help out in natural disasters yeah. and if... Searching know, for people. Yeah, and, if Britain was invaded, they would be there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But they didn't get called up to go to Afghanistan or anything the right. way that... Uh, our reserves can. Our reserves can. Mm-hmm. So this whole team building thing, they've got, you know, when egg and spoon race just isn't enough and a three-legged race isn't enough and being blindfolded and navigated by somebody else just isn't enough, why not do it all at the same time? Yeah. And put your arm in a sling. Yeah. (laughs) And that's a team building exercise. By the way, it's Christmas. I love that Joyce drops Tom off like a mom dropping her kid off at camp. (laughs) Yeah. If she only had packed him a lunch and given it to him, you know, I I have no problem with how Tom acts towards it. It's silly. No, Uh, they're not learning anything, though. This is not the worst kind of team building exercise that I've ever heard of or that I've seen reference to. You did some research into this. Oh, my gosh. There's so many cockamamie ideas out there. Now, these are all things that people have actually done. Like there are businesses that offer this as a service. Okay. All of these. Are you ready? Yeah. Cow hairdressing. So as teams, you and your fellow employees can compete in who can make a cow look the prettiest. I've worked with cows. Yeah. Okay. It's not a positive experience. Cows deserve to be treated nicely, but they are farm animals. (laughs) Not beauty. Maybe these are special beauty cows. Beauty cows. Uh, Flash mob dancing. Flash. Yes. So first, so you and your, your fellow employees have to learn a dance, and then you have to go and do it in public as a flash mob. Yep. Um, and I agree with, 
you know, the the thought of that, which is that by dancing with people you in public, you get over the embarrassment, you have a shared experience together. I understand all of those things. Still shouldn't happen. Duck herding? No. <laughs> you don't think you could be a better employee if you just did some duck herding? No, I wouldn't be a better employee if I did some duck herding. How about blindfold driving? They did that on Mythbusters. How about a group juice cleanse? Stop. <laughs> you can't stop going. No. And either can either can your workmates. <laughs> and that's how you bond. I would be like, no, no I'm not, doing, I'm not that. doing that. I'll get a letter from my doctor. I don't care. I'll make it up. I'm not doing it. Okay, are you ready for the worst ones, though? Oh, oh, oh we're in another level of worst. Yeah, those were just all kind of stupid and weird. Okay. There's three that I think are like gold star bad. Okay. I'm sorry. There are two that I think are really gold star bad. Okay. The first is Japanese sento bathing. Okay. Which is naked bathing in a natural spring. Again. With I'm, your workmates. Yeah, that's the problem. Because the vulnerability makes you stronger. Okay, so I've been really into northern Japan as of late because it's very much like Canada there. Mm. And I do very much want to go to a hot springs in northern Japan, probably with no clothes on, okay? Mm -hmm. But I don't want anyone I work with there. (laughs) (laughs) You've been in a scenario where you've been with work colleagues who suddenly decided to go skinny dipping uh, during yes, yes. a retreat. Yes. And you were so traumatized, I thought you were going to need therapy. I called you right away. You did. You were like, <laughs> you won't believe what they're doing now. I got to get out of here. Yeah. Um, but the worst is there is a consulting company uh, in the UK that offers, among all kinds of other stupid things, opposite gender day. Where you come to work dressed as the opposite gender, and they claim it's even more fun if you adopt the mannerisms of the opposite gender. That is sexist. Offensive. Offensive. Transphobic. It's just bad. There's so many things wrong with that. There's no good thing there. No. It's just bad. Oh, my God. That company cannot be doing well right but, now. But Mark, you would then get to experience what it's like to be at a, as a woman at your company. There's all these things that you don't know about. Like you use one another's bathrooms for the day and everything. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got the Rona. I can't come in. <laughs> Can you imagine paying for that? Oh, my gosh. Because there's a facilitator who goes around and encourages people to experience things and open up and share what they're going through and stuff. No. Nope. <laughs> Sorry. Nope. When I saw the cageless shark diving as a team building exercise, I thought that was pretty bad. But I think this would actually be more dangerous to your health. Oh, my gosh. There there will be fist fights at that. Yes. <laughs> Oh, I'd go to work that day just to watch. Like, no. Needless to say, what Tom and Jones have to do is not that bad. No. Can you imagine if they had to both dress up as W.P. Stevens and she got to dress up as them oh. <laughs> and go to work? Well, we do see Jones soon in a nun's outfit. That's so. true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. You just put on George's coveralls and you're set. Yeah. Kick oh, out the boy. jams, Tom. Are you ready to kick out the jams, Tom? Are you ready to kick out the jams, Tom? I done kicked them out. Oh, my gosh. We have talked more about this phrase. <laughs> it's one of several phrases in this episode that you just go, what? Okay. What did you just say? By far, the best well-known use of this phrase, kick out the jams, is from MC5, a Detroit punk band, in the early 70s, Mm -hmm. really a proto-punk band, Mm -hmm. with their song, Kick Out the Jams, which starts with Kick Out the Jams, Mother... Uh And that is... I was like, he cannot be making a reference to that. But that is the origin of the phrase. It's thought that it might have to do with the jams that go under car tires when they are preparing to drag race. The blocks that you pull out to let the wheels turn. It is iconic to MC5. Yeah. It is not iconic to team building exercises in England. Uh, n- no. 
No. No. I can only think that Cotton brings it up because he thinks that he'll be able to relate to Tom because Tom is older and maybe he was a punk in the 70s. (laughs) Who knows what Cotton is thinking? Because, wow. He said that and I, I I stopped it and I went back and I'm like, he clearly could not be saying that. I thought maybe he said something like, so there's a band from the 80s in England called The Jam, led by Paul Weller, that became the Style Council, that is iconic also in England. And I thought maybe he's making a jam reference like that. No, no. Nope. Nope. Or, yeah, wow. For the record. It's so completely out of touch, though that makes it work. Yeah, because he's completely out of touch, but trying to be in touch, but makes him look more lame. Well, he just wants to be a lean, mean policing machine. It's very much like, hey, kids, you like this, right? You know, it's awkward. But for the record, what what Mark and I have been debating nearly all morning is that he thinks the MC5 version of this song is the best. And it is the original. I don't argue that. I think the song called Kick Out the Jam by the Presidents of the United States of America is a way better song. And you're allowed to think that. And we agree to disagree. Yeah. It's just better. So Tom shows up at this thing like my dad. He knows everybody right away. And he becomes the center of attention right away. Immediately. Yeah. Because like Matt Parks, who's like with the colonel of the territorial army base, like, oh, hey, Tom, how you doing? You know, you, you know, I just haven't seen you in a couple of days. You know, we saw each other at this thing. Like, yeah. And Cotton just stands there like. Um, yeah, that's what it was like showing up at places with Any my place dad. with your dad? Yeah, he just knew everybody right away. He says that Tim saw him at the tattoo. The mid, the cost, no, it was the midsummer tattoo. Mm-hmm. So do you know what they mean by tattoo there? Mil- I know you know. Military drums, right? Yeah. So it's tattoo is usually a military parade event. Okay. Do but why know, is it called a tattoo? The term comes from an early 17th century Dutch phrase. Dodentepto, which means turn off the tap, which now that I think of it is kind of like kick out the dams <laughs> from the 17th century. Turn off the tap, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> A single sounded by drummers or trumpeters to instruct innkeepers near military garrisons to stop serving beer and for the soldiers to return to their barracks and is unrelated, of course, to the Tahitian word tattoo. Which is the skin yes. marking. Yeah. So it's it's basically last call. Yes. Okay. <laughs> wow, it's such a reach, isn't it? It is. You know what I like to do for Christmas? Hold on. Before that, we have to talk about Damien Hurt. <laughs> they're They're preparing for two things at the Territorial Army Base. They are preparing for the police to come and do their team building, but they are also preparing for Christmas war games. It's a Christmas episode. Nothing says Christmas like war games. The recruits versus the instructors. You know, like, ooh, isn't that fun? Doesn't that sound like fun? But they're so they're setting up for these team building exercises, and one of the grunts yells as another at another grunt. We want Sly Stallone, not Damien Hurst. Yeah. And you were stumped by this? I was like, I can't believe they said that in the background. It's the second phrase that makes no sense in this episode that makes you like, oh, er, what? Yes. So they want Rocky, not an artist. What's the first one? The first one is kick out the jams. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. That's the first weird phrase. <laughs> well, and make your wife a pet. <laughs> well, that's on a sign. This is in the script. <laughs> It's not the last one, but it's the second one. Two words that never go together. Christmas war games. (laughs) Yeah, you know. Joyce is involved with a hobby. Now, this is a hobby that we've seen Joyce do a number of times. She does like to sing. She likes to sing. Mm -hmm. And she does like holidays. We've seen this before. And she likes charities. Yes. Right? So they're singing to raise money. For the Veterans Hospital that uh, Caro, her real, her actual name is Caroline Halsey, uh, otherwise known as grandmother to the worst person in the world. But Caro's turned her ancestral home into a Veterans Hospital and they host a caroling event every year to raise money. So Caro's daughter was married to Matt and is James's grandmother. Now, we don't know 
how she died, but we know she died young. Mm-hmm. And Carol and Matt are still close. Yes. But Jamie is the worst grandson ever. Human. Yes. He's the worst human <laughs> ever. Both of these characters, Matt Parks, the colonel, and Carolyn Halsey, the woman who runs the hospital, are both played by actors who have, in not just in previous Midsummers, but in other shows, have been horrible people, right? Yes. Judy Parfit, who plays Caro, was in Death's Shadow. Yes. She played Angela Wentworth, who was the wife of the minister in Badger's Drift who killed people and then jumped off the turret, right? Who is horrible. And she is horrible to him. She's just not a nice person. And Tim Pigott-Smith, who plays Matt Parks, has also been that kind of sniveling, snobby, upper crust character in other shows, too. And in uh, V for Vendetta, he plays basically the head of the secret police. Yes. And he is cruel. Yes. Yeah. And so I'm watching Midsummer, and I've seen this episode many times before. It's been a little while because it's not one of my favorites, but I go into it and I see her and I go, oh, she's going to be mean. Wait a minute. She's kind and nice. I see him. Oh, he's going to be a bastard. And he's like kind and and, and nice. Yes, he's a killer. That's besides the point. Okay, He rids the world of his shit son. Yes. And I think he comes to that conclusion that he needs to. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he also kills the other guy and puts him in the toolbox. But Alex, another problem. But he's he's got reasons, yeah. right? But he's like a nice man. He's like worried about the the men who serve under him and how their families are and cares about things and and, and I'm like, wait, I I don't know. Am I supposed to? Can I like this person? Because I came into it thinking I'm going to hate this person. Yeah, that sometimes happens character actors it does because she does such a good job at being nasty in that other episode it happened with big ears strangely muscular so that's the name we use for david bamber <laughs> big ears strangely strong and he, he's played either a really nice guy or a really horrible person it's one or the other you never know what to expect when you see him in a show and he's in this awesome miniseries called i think it's called the public affair where he plays this english He's a member of parliament, but he has all these badgers at his house. Yes. He's super nice. Yes. (laughs) David Bamber. Big ears, strangely strong. (laughs) Sorry, Dave. (laughs) The next exercise they have to do after the three-legged blinded race thing. Sling uh, egg run. Yeah. Involves handcuffs. Yeah, now, and an obstacle course, I think they're supposed to be trying to get across. So there's three of them handcuffed together. Cotton, Jones, and Barnaby. But before that, wow, those handcuffs are plastic. <laughs> the box of handcuffs, a box of handcuffs, real handcuffs, would be so incredibly heavy. They're kind of tossing it around here. It would bust under the, the bottom of the box yeah. out, yeah. They're clearly plastic handcuffs. But when they fall in the mud, it's very good. Yes, I is. like that. So we have this other other Jamie is horrible plot where um, a couple of years ago, a girl, really a girl, not a woman, Jamie was having an affair with. Her name was Jilly. Yep. Became pregnant by Jamie. Uh, he wouldn't have anything to do with her. And so she hung herself from a tree in these woods. And her mother, Penny, is not letting this go. She is not getting over this no. grief. no. She puts on the camo paint and the military gear and goes on midnight maneuvers to stalk Jamie because she wants to catch him in the act of being predatorial because she's sure that he is. While her husband runs an illegal chop shop out of his garage. Also motivated by Jamie. Yes. Because he's the one who kind of blackmails him into going along with this illegal importing. I have two words for this entire subplot. Hmm. Merry Christmas. <laughs> it's a hubcap. Yay. Sweet. Jesus, do you understand <laughs> that a Christmas episode should not involve suicide? I think you've made your point. So not only is Jamie a jerk to the barmaid, uh, a jerk to his grandmother, a-, a girl committed suicide because he's an asshole. He's blackmailing these two former soldiers so they'll import cars illegally for him and break the law. But he also killed his mother in childbirth. Yeah. Is there anything redeeming about him at all? No. No. He can wear a turtleneck. 
Yeah, I don't like turtlenecks. No, me either, but... I guess? He has a neck, I guess. I Nothing. Nothing. My question is, is the trucking company that Matt runs, how, how much traffic goes in and out of that trucking company that they need a gate and a dedicated person to that gate that is in that little hut enough that he puts up a sexy Santa Claus calendar? <laughs> what is a sexy Santa Claus calendar doing in a Christmas episode? <laughs> Sir, somebody watching us from two o'clock, man in red. Yeah, I love inflatable Santa Claus. Yeah, okay. Not to get off topic, but that Santa's a little bondaged up there. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's not like he's just lightly tied to that. Oh no, he's like bungee corded to the chimney. (laughs) Like several wraps. He doesn't look happy. (laughs) No. Is this a thing in England to tie Santa Clauses to the to the tops of chimneys? Please tell us. But then the warehouse explodes, and we miss who may be the best character we've never seen in Midsummer. Okay. Poulter the Pyromaniac. Okay. Bef- they talk about him, but do we get to meet Poulter the Pyromaniac? No. My first thought <laughs> about Poulter the Pyromaniac was that's going to be my first Midsummer fan fiction. <laughs> He just, he just, I think when I hear it, I think the mad bomber, what bombs at midnight, you know, like he just like skitters around villages going, <laughs> in my notes, the mad bomber at midnight. And he's got like those black, you know, spherical bombs with yep. the, the hissing, <laughs> with, yeah, with the hissing fuse at the top. <laughs> he's Poulter the pyromaniac. <laughs> and. And Cotton's like, we should look into this, which is completely valid. That is. Don't just dismiss him because your gut tells you to. Well, we locked him up three days ago, sir. Procedure. And then Jones just drops the penny on him. Well, you know, but it's Poulter. He might have got out. He's pretty sneaky. He's sneaky. (laughs) Okay. So the entire hut thing and the explosion, I'm completely skipping over because. I'm more interested in one thing. Well, well, I did look for the sexy Santa Claus calendar for quite a while. Before. I want to tell you something about the explosion, though. Okay. Because this is a really good explosion. It's a major effect. This is the best explosion we've seen in, in Midsummer so far. I don't know if it's the best. It's the biggest. It's certainly not the one in China. China, in quotation yeah, marks. Yeah, you mean in the woods <laughs> on the bridal path? Yes. Um, but it's big. It is. There's shrapnel flying. There's a stunt guy who gets knocked over. Yep. It's big. But they say that the investigators have already found evidence of chlorate and sugar. Yes. Do you know what they're referring to? No. Potassium chlorate and sugar. Okay. You take equal parts potassium chlorate and sugar, mix them together, and then put a drop of sulfuric acid in it. Okay. Are we going to have to beep out some of these ingredients? No. Okay. You do this in science class all the time. Okay. And it shoots flame into the air. Okay. But here's the key. No matter how realistic and well done this explosion is, it's wrong. Because the signature of potassium chlorate and sugar explosions is the flames are purple. There are no purple flames. They're awesome purple. Google it. There's all kinds of YouTube videos from science teachers doing this. I'll find a YouTube video and put it in the show notes. Beautiful purple flames. That would have been festive. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> if it had been a big purple explosion. Uh, the fireman, the arson investigator, I guess, who's yep. in the back of the truck, has a cool camera. I noticed that. I couldn't find it anywhere. It's yeah. like, it's, it's like, uh, um, it's, it's got like a case on it, I guess, to keep it safe, protect yeah. it from using it in, in rough situations. I couldn't find anything. And it's definitely a camera. It's not like a heat gun because nope. they also use those to, yep. to suss out areas where there's still potential fire that's going to break yep. out. It's not that. It's a video camera. Yep. But it's got this cool yellow and black case on it that matches his safety gear. It does. It's it's part of the fire brigade. I'm sure that guy knows who Poulter the Pyromaniac is. After searching for sexy Santa Claus calendars for far too long, mm. I couldn't find the right one. I wanted to find the movie that was playing on the oldest black and white television <laughs> in is this the one that Penny's watching? Oh, no, no, the guard is watching. The guard's okay. watching this one. Okay. Tom, Don's watching it. and In his little gatehouse at yeah, Park. Yeah, I actually found it. Um, he is 
watching a movie entitled Merry Christmas. It's eight minutes long, and it's from 1941. Wow. I could only find it on a Facebook video group for obscure videos. Wow, because that would have been film, like reel to reel. They would have only ever shown that in a theater. Yeah. Like, it is... And that's right before the outbreak of World War II, right? Yeah. Yeah, like it's just during World War Two. Yeah, like uh, I can. Did only, you watch it? Oh yeah, I watched the whole thing. What is I it? I can only hope that it it just tells the Christmas story. Oh that, okay. Um, I can only think that they it was trying to raise people's spirits during the war. Yeah, well, in eight minutes, when you're talking about in a theater, that's kind of what they did back then. Yeah. They would show like a newsreel and like a couple of very short films. And so they probably would have had one or two Christmas short Christmas films. At this point in time, because we go back to the training day after this, I'm like, this is the longest day ever. Because <laughs> it's dark when the explosion happens. Yeah. And so I got all caught up in this notion of, wait a minute. Did they stay overnight? No. No. Like, I was like, is, is it into the night? But no. So what do you think the sundown time on the 20th of December is in this area? Five o'clock. No, 3.56. It gets dark at four Four o'clock in the afternoon. Now that's Canada dark, man. Yeah. Right? That's like North Pole dark. So I did a search. I found out that in Oxfordshire on the 20th of December, the sun goes down at 3.56. And then I was like, I forgot. Because geography is difficult. How far north London, England is. Yeah. We we forget that where we live in Indiana is actually more in line with Spain. Yeah. Right? Well, because the weather in the UK is not weather consistent with that latitude. You think that latitude is snow and ice year round, but because they have maritime wind and they're an island and all that stuff, their weather is much more temperate than... Other locations at that same latitude. Yeah, like London is more north than Ottawa. Wow. Not by much, but it is. Yeah. Okay? But Ottawa is far colder. Yeah. Okay. And it's it's more in line with, like, Calgary, that far north. No wonder it gets dark so early. Yeah. It's not as far north as my brother, because mm. humans don't go that far <laughs> north. <laughs> That's your brother who lives up with the bears. Yeah. I was like, oh, Okay, if it's three, if it's four o'clock, everybody would still be at work and they would still be doing their training. Because I can remember in Canada walking to work and walking home from work downtown in Toronto and it being dark both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You miss the sun outside yeah. if you don't go out for lunch. Well, and you go in tunnels at lunch. You see, you see the sun through windows. Which just contributes to a long tradition in midsummer, which is what day is it again? Oh. Because I was like, I thought it was like 2.30 in the morning. I'm like, why is Joyce cooking? (laughs) Well, she's baking. She's making dinner like a normal person. But I didn't realize that. You thought it's the middle of the night. Yeah. That's when Tom looks all hunky, isn't it? When she's cooking. It is. He's got his collarless shirt on. I like those shirts. They suit him. Okay. Those band collared shirts. People will agree with me. I'm the victim here. Oh, my God. So James has canoodled a 17-year-old, which I don't even know how he did that. Yeah, what does Daisy want with James? He's got so much nose hair. I'm sorry. He drives a nice car, I guess. When you're 17, you fall for that stuff. He's got money and a nice car. But he's more interested in getting champagne and canoodling with a 17-year-old. He's 34, by the way, the actor. When he's in the kitchen after the firebombing... Having the champagne and slow dancing with his girlfriend. Yes. He acts like a 15-year-old. He does. Dad. Nothing says says Christmas like dancing after an explosion. Yeah. With your boom box. Oh, oh, I tried to find that boom box. Because, wow. I love how he cranks up the volume on it and then walks out of the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another one of those songs like we talked about in another episode. It, yeah, it's, it's a totally made totally up. Totally made up song. Here we are dancing because we're in love. Uh, nah, 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 whatever. <laughs> but the age of consent in the UK is 17. Uh, 16, sorry. So yeah, he, he's not a, uh, a rapist anyway. But wow. He should be embarrassed to take a kid that young to the pub. He should be. He's got no shame. He's Jamie. He is. The worst human ever. 
Sonny Jim. Who is it that calls the other character Sonny Jim? I don't know. I think it's the dad calls Jamie Sonny Jim. Okay. Well, this is a rabbit hole, finding out Sonny Jim. I would have guessed, if you just asked me out of the blue, that Sonny Jim was a rever- reference to Treasure Island. No, I couldn't find any link to that. No? No. Okay. So what is it? Uh, well, I don't know, because oh. <laughs> there's like 10 different ideas, including... And it's S-O-N-N-Y, right? Yes, that's including a 1914 film character with that name. There's also Sonny Jim, a character created in 1901 to market breakfast cereals. And Sonny Jim dolls were made in the UK until the 1960s. So the name is remembered in relation to that doll, which is also a nickname for the labor politician James Callahan. It's just kind of all over the, the question place. question is, though, can Sonny Jim kick out the jam? <laughs> That's what we really need to know. Yes. Oh, and has he been to Europe? Okay. Because if he has, well, you know how we'll be able to tell? How will we be able to tell if someone's been to Europe? His upper torso will be a different color. What? That's what George says. What? George says, discoloration on the upper body suggests he spent time in foreign climes. That makes no sense at all. Because what if he went to Iceland? (laughs) Foreign climes. Maybe he's maybe he's not talking about Europe. Maybe he's talking about like the Caribbean or South America. Maybe he's got a tan from the waist up. Still. He doesn't look good. No. Alec Ranger never looks good. No, he doesn't. He he is a, a skin peeling bloated corpse. Yeah. But his upper torso's discolored. He doesn't that poor actor doesn't he that poor actor has lines. He gets to fight in the he gets shadows. To fight. He has a gun. So he uses a prop. And then he just gets to be a corpse yeah, with some un- schmutz on his face. Uncredited role. So here's Caro being nice again. She kind of babysits Penny because she knows that Penny is grieving and is like at the edge of sanity. The edge? She's over the edge. <laughs> <laughs> so she kind of like, you know, she takes her under wing, you know, come and sing with us and yep. tries to encourage her to do positive things, but also is thinking the whole time. She could be dangerous, so I'm going to stay close to her. So I will go out to the lake house, the little folly by my pond. No, no. I have with my name. laptop and have, hang out with Penny. I have another name for this building. Oh, yeah? It is Caro's House of Coffee and Computers. <laughs> it's a business now, huh? Because there's coffee and there's computers. Mm-hmm. And we've discussed this. There is no reason for Caro to be on a computer out there. My first thought, of course, because I'm a child of privilege of 2020 is, does she get Wi-Fi out there? (laughs) No, she's out there, you know, like looking at the books for the hospital or ordering supplies or something. Something? While keeping an eye on potentially homicidal Penny and her wide-eyed, never-blinking face. Well, then she closes it and shoves it at Penny's bag so that... It knocks her ugly the, purse falls off the table and, and the knife falls out. Yeah. <laughs> it is the most clunky way to get rid of get that piece of evidence into the viewer's view that I like Carol's it's Oh like, and Carol kind of the actress kind of looks like oh I don't want to do this because it's so clunky. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I stole it from my husband because I might need it for defense or to defend somebody else. So let's talk about Penny's husband, Tim. Mm, Tim. Okay. Tim is Who's gone. not Colin Firth. No. He's like. He's not Colin Firth. The everyday, everyday guy version of Colin Firth. So not Colin Firth. They're not even related, yes. but he looks like him, I Runs think. a business with Ed Lovell. Mm-hmm. Okay. Army buddies. Yep. They are the worst at running a business. They are the worst criminals. And they are the worst bombers. They are. But. He, he almost has to interrupt. Tim and Barnaby are talking, and Ed kind of interrupts like a school child going, I blew up the building. <laughs> They're everyday guys who are good guys who have been roped into, blackmailed into doing something they do not want to be doing that is also a really stupid idea. I don't know how they got, like, did they do something wrong and that's why James is blackmailing them? I don't remember what he thinks he has over them. Because... In terms of criminal partnerships, the guy who caused my daughter's suicide and the death of my unborn grandchild is not on the top of the list. 
Oh, and probably was drunk driving and hit and run another woman in the village oh, who yeah. now can't walk. Like the same it, guy. If it was Tim who had hit Nina and ja- James, and Jamie knew, knew that would be different. That would be different. That's a story plot right there. Everybody's got something on Jamie. Yeah. That's way worse than anything he has on anybody else. Jamie But is, since he's shameless and he doesn't you can't care. use it against him. He doesn't care. Right. He's not worried about anybody finding out that he's horrible. Meanwhile, Penny reads a book. <laughs> she reads Vanishing Acts by Jody Picot. Yes. The 12th novel by American writer Jody Picot. The only thing I can say about Jody Picot is she has awesome hair. She does. She has incredible hair. Yep. Not kick out the jams hair, but pretty close. She has the curls that I wish my curls look like. They don't, but I will. Then I want to go to the costume bookmakers and put down some bets. (laughs) The posters in that window. Mecca, can they do it again? What? Bingo. Yeah. (laughs) Try bingo. Those two, Dale and Don Mitchinson, the guard and the truck driver. Yeah are a waste of space in this episode. Don answers the door in his underwear, not even knowing who it is. What? And Dale works 24 hours a day in a guard shack. No, no. Dale does that. Oh, Don- sorry. I got him the yeah. other way around. Uh, if Don answered the door in, in the underwear, <laughs> it would be, it'd different. be a different show. But Dale in his underwear, why is he there in his, like, it makes no sense at all. So he's in business with Jamie. Yeah. Helping him import cars in pieces. Okay. So this is the 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 plot that Jamie, who lived in France for a few years, can you only imagine what he did to leave France? Jamie lived in France for a few years, came back, and at the same time he was romancing Penny and Tim's daughter, mm-hmm. he started importing car parts that Tim and the mad bomber Ed, sorry, the unmad bomb. The the calm bomber. <laughs> calm bomber. The calm bomber Ed, <laughs> then put together. And you made the point that if it's not all there, is there like the Bugatti pile? By because the way, this episode brought to you by Bugatti. Because they have like five feet of the back of uh, a trailer that has a false back. So they've got like five feet of space behind this false back where they can hide parts of cars. So they disassemble the cars somewhere over in Europe, put what they can into that part of the trailer, port them over, unpack them, yeah. put them somewhere else. And then Tim and the calm bomber, almost sounds like embalmer, calm, calm bomber. Ed the calm bomber. Yes. Um, <laughs> that may be part of the title. Of reassemble this. these cars and then they flog them on. Jamie flogs them on, right? So it's not it's not even enough space to put like the chassis of a car in. Like you couldn't even put like the drivetrain the in there. Engine or nothing. No, you'd have to like really take it apart. Well, if they put that in there, like say ten feet from the front of the thing, mm-hmm. they could still put stuff in front of it, so you couldn't see the back. Right. And you could put a whole car in there. Yeah. Or since they, we already know that they're able to disguise a Bentley as a different Bentley. By changing the serial numbers and the plates and stuff on it, why don't they just do that with the other cars? I don't know. And drive them over? I don't know. And why do they have to come from France? And and is there a garage in France that has like half a Bugatti in it waiting for Don Dale to go get it? They have Bugattis in England. No, they've just got a hubcap, Mark. Tom, you just need to write down what you're doing every 15 minutes. (laughs) And then I'll do data analysis on how you're spending your time. I think Tom's a little rude to throw it right in the trash. He is very rude. He should have at least hidden it on his desk. Luckily, someone spills coffee on it before he gives it back. (laughs) He throws it in the trash in plain sight. That's a little disrespectful. It's a little disrespectful. But understandable, too. Okay. So Jamie picks up Layla. Yes. Why? To threaten her. Okay. And then... Drops her off, and then Carol, once again, the person who we think is horrible. But is actually really nice and sweet. But is really nice, helps her. Yes, because Jamie's bad, and everybody he gets near, he's horrible to. And they're going to go confront Jamie, and they find... Screw you, Grandma. No. (laughs) Oh, but you... Okay, how can a human being who... Okay, I realize that not everybody's family is great, okay? I do realize that, and some people have difficult family relations. 
but screw you, Grandma, should not be a normal thing that anybody says. <laughs> <laughs> Unless well, it's a jest. <laughs> but, you know, most grandmas don't show up and go, oh, you weren't hurt. I'm disappointed. That's true. But he deserves that. Yeah. Because he's a horrible human being. <laughs> but you've skipped over, we mentioned the Bentley, you've skipped over one of the most exciting parts of this episode. WPC Stevens and her diddling. She does some diddling. She does the CSI super zoom pixel creation magic and calls it diddling. Diddling. So not not enhance, but diddle. I diddled it. Which has a different meaning to different people. Uh, it's slang for masturbation. Yep. She's been diddling to those pictures. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which apparently makes magic. So then they have to confront Layla about her sex for money business and why she and Penny and Kara were in the shed because they were going to go confront Jamie because he's on the run. Yeah. Right. He only goes to the hide because he's got the money in his satchel and his dad says, meet me at the hide. Yeah. Jamie is on the run. He's going to France. He's told Layla to meet him there that night with no intention of being there. Yes. He does not plan on being there. Um, the only fact that he's there and dead, it's sheer coincidence because he didn't say, hey, Layla, meet me at the bird hide. I'm going to be dead there. Yeah. Right. But again, Caro's being really nice and goes with her because she's going to face off against her bad grandkid. Yeah. Tell him where to go. So James is, he is interviewed by the cops. Mm-hmm. And he says, yeah, I guess I did know that guy. I lied before. Alec, Granger, the dead guy. His daughter, I got his daughter pregnant and he wanted me to pay alimony or some crazy story, right? Mm -hmm. Then George calls and says, I have some important information. And then George knows everything that Jamie just told them. Yes. How is that possible? And and knows exactly who the suspects are and what (laughs) Tom is thinking about the case so that he can correct his disinformation. Really, George solves the case. Mm-hmm. He figures it out. And I think he figures it out because he knows Alex Torso is discolored. I mean, that's really the key point, yes, don't you think? I mean, that right. is the piece of evidence that because solves everything. Because he's been in foreign climbs. Yeah, I mean, that's it. <laughs> Once you know that, it all falls into place, Poirot. <laughs> the little gray cells and the discolored torso. Does no child, except for James, because James does, because no child wear appropriate clothing in the house in this episode. Oh, you're talking about Layla in her nightgown? Yeah. She just got up. She answers the door. Uh, I've seen skirts shorter than what she's got oh, on. Well, and, and then Dale is half naked too. Yeah. He's just in his underwear. Yeah. He's got no excuse because that's not even early in the morning. That's the middle of the day. So Ed planted the bomb to help Tim because he wanted matt to get curious about jamie's nefarious acts and thought if he blew up the truck that then matt would be like hmm maybe my son's up to something now okay so they don't know matt all that well they don't know matt all that well right no they know him super well oh so they couldn't just go talk to him no of course not because then there'd be no episode but Ed the Calm Bomber has to blow something up. Right. I think easy- he's actually Poulter. Because that's easier than talking to your friend about his his son, who he also already knows is a jerk. I mean, you know, if you can't confront somebody face-to-face, you just blow up their business, and then they'll get the message. How bad of a boss do you have to be that when I put your name in my phone, I put Wonder Boy... And you're only a temporary boss. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. Though, you know, one of our kids has my dad in their phone and it says Goldfinger when he calls. When you call me, it says Sarah or in case of emergency. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a Sarah emergency. Wonder boy. So Park, Matt Park, Colonel, admits to finishing Alec off. So Jamie comes home, oh, well, dad, this guy like tried to fight me or whatever, and he had a gun. So Matt's like, oh, I'll go out and make sure that this is all taken care of, you know, because like you do when you're a parent, you always think the best of your kids. How many times has he covered for James? Oh, so many times before this. Um, But Alec is not dead. No. So Matt finishes him off. 
and then puts him in what he calls is a tool chest, but looks like a mini dumpster. Or a really big cooler. It's metal. It looks like a tiny dumpster. Yeah. It's a tiny blue dumpster. I'm glad that it did little bubbles when it came out because the body would decompose like that and produce gases. Mm -hmm. And it would do exactly like it did. Yeah. Probably because Alec had been somewhere foreign. Yes. Yeah. That would explain that. That had climbs. Yeah. So, So this metal box that's full of water now is also airtight and gets full of gas. Makes yes. it float. Makes it float. Right. Okay. So, okay. okay. Yep. 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 <laughs> Me, sir? <laughs> so Matt has to admit that he finished off Alec and then um, came to the conclusion that his son was the worst human being ever and, and killed him as well. And then he and Caro have this touching moment. Yeah. Because they both feel responsible. They both feel like we brought this monster into this world. It's our, it was our responsibility. They do. I wouldn't have been surprised if the plot wasn't that they worked together, that she knew that Matt had done it and helped him cover it up. Yeah. Like, we, we had to take him out. He was our responsibility. She hears the gunshot, so she might have been aware of more than she knew. Yeah. Well, and they did drag the tiny metal dumpster down her dock and put it, Matt put it in the pond. So yeah. she, she might have, she could have easily have been a witness. She's not, but she could have been. And I think he would have known that if she'd seen him doing it, that she would understand. So it's Caro's house of coffee, computers, and corpses. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because I think the bird blind is on her land too. Because she's letting the military use her woods for their maneuvers. Okay. Let's talk about this. Two things. One, are they going to use real guns in their war games? Because it sure looks like they are. I don't know. I, I got no sense of what they were actually planning to do. Like? In the dark. The day before Christmas. <laughs> On Christmas Eve. Yay, Christmas Eve. It says Christmas like war games. But you know, Carol has said, you can use my woods to pretend to fight each other as long as you donate money to the hospital. Which they do. Which they do. The big check. But it's presented by the police instead of by the <laughs> military. But anyway, Tom, Wonder, Wonder Boy gets to Tom's hand over the check. all like, oh, I guess I'll do it. And she's like, I asked Connor. Uh, I, asked, I already asked Cotton. He's so handsome and he's really nice. <laughs> Did you see the rocket launcher poster? No. Yeah. Where's that? When the squaddies are uh, doing some stuff it's it's where Tom goes in and see and tells Cotton that he's going to solve the crime by dinner time. Okay. Which no cop ever would That's do. their base of operations yeah. at the ter- territorial army base. When Tom walks in, and by the way, there's some fantastic squatty sounds in the soundtrack. Ooh, that. <laughs> Damien Hurst. There is a rocket launcher diagram in the background. Which is spectacular. That's awesome. It's one of those blown up images of the of the rocket launcher. It is a rocket system ninety four millimeter heat, which is actually called the heat law. But this is the Russian version of the poster, and so it's lol l l a l. Is it in Russian? Some of it is in Russian. That's weird that it's they would have so that. so strange. I could not find that poster. I found lots of pictures of this weapon and lots of posters for this weapon, but I couldn't find that exact poster. It, it's, you know, I hate weapons. I hate war and all that stuff, but it's a cool picture. But you like posters. I like posters. <laughs> <laughs> ah, and then we get to end with Tom sticking it in one more time with Wonder Boy saying that he's late to the carol singing because they had to put in some overtime documenting their day in 15-minute increments. Yep. And, and I Jones think Cotton like, knows he's lost the battle. Merry Christmas. We got stuffed. <laughs> and I'm like, happy Christmas episode. And then it starts to snow. Oh, it snowed on Christmas Eve. Oh. But if this is the event that Caro has been talking about this whole time. Wouldn't it be a dark? <laughs> Joyce has said that it's all sold out. Where's the audience? Where's the audience? Everybody who's yeah. there is singing. They sing everywhere in this episode, but inside. <laughs> yeah. Well, they sing at the base of the stairs. No, they sing at the, the base the, for, the, for the patients. For the patients. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Best corpse. <laughs> nice corpse. Okay, I thought long and hard about this. 
Is it Alec or is it, it Jamie? Sh- it should be Alec because he doesn't get credited for anything else and he deserves a credit. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the best corpse is Jamie. Why? Because he's he's dead. And- is he the most satisfying corpse? Yes. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> finally dead 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 well i'm gonna go with alec as the best corpse because he has to lay very still he's got schmutz on his face and frankly when jamie's dead the only thing i can see is up his nose so yeah i i think alec deserves the credit okay and after the credits well okay matt's going to jail Mm -hmm. even though the judge is going to be like uh you it might be manslaughter. It might be manslaughter, right? Okay, Jamie's dead. Ed is going to go to jail, and he's going to be like, people are going to be like, what are you in for? Oh, I killed my sister-in-law. What are you in for? Oh, I burnt down a church. What are you in for? I politely bombed a building. Well, I wonder about that, though, because it might be that if Matt, as the surviving owner of Parks Haulage, Yeah doesn't press charges and doesn't claim insurance, they might kind of get away with that. Yeah. Since nobody was hurt. I'm thinking Caro kind of takes over the haulage place because she's the old, the last relative that we know about. Yeah. They're not going to let Don Dale run it. No, but so it's either going to go out of business. Well, I think Don Dale will run it, but Carol will own it. No, Don Dale won't run it. There's it's a guard and a, a schmuck who drives a truck. They can't run that company. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Ed's going to Dale. Tim's going to Dale. Jail. Jail. I don't think either of them are going to do any kind of time. No, I don't think so either. But they're going to have a record. They can pin so much on Jamie, who's already, who's now dead. Yeah. Any good lawyer's going to say it was all Jamie's fault and he's dead. So I really hope Penny and Tim get the help they need because they both need help. Yes, they do. And I hope their marriage survives. Yes. And George and Nina seem like a good couple. Well, also, again, James will get blamed for that. For the maybe, running, I don't know. If there's no evidence of it. There's nothing they can do, and and they can't and put Jamie Matt in jail was for taking it anyway. Care of them anyway. Yeah, yeah. But that may run out if Matt's in prison and the business goes under. They Nina may not get that support anymore. Nina and who? And maybe Layla will admit to her parents oh. that she's a lady who waits for the bus. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We haven't mentioned George by name in this entire episode, and he is a pivotal plot point at the end. Only because he's a witness. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But Layla could have been the same witness. Yeah. Layla could have given them the same information about James and uh, Alec fighting. Also, it's a continuation of that episode of the, oh, well, you know, I'll talk to her. Like, it's the parent covering for the child again yeah but they do it from a much more understanding point of view it's so nice when george moves nina and they kind of laugh when he carries her yeah it's they, nice. they obviously care for one another and uh george is played by philip martin brown who is way underutilized in this episode oh yeah he is a good actor that they who's barely... been in lots of things yeah and they yeah and he's very small part in this I hope Layla makes enough at the inn instead of having to sell her body to the night. Layla. In, in the big city. In the big city of Coston. The dark streets of Coston. And that is Days of Misrule. Why is it called Days of Misrule? No, nobody rules anything. <laughs> no idea. And it's not days, it's early nights. It's really the early nights of no rule. Unless you're talking about James, Jamie's life, which is like the life of misrule. I guess. The life of I'm above the rules. Uh, you can find Midsummer Maniacs on Twitter, Instagram, and email. We also post on Facebook groups and for Midsummer and Acorn and the subreddit and anywhere else you find Maniacs. Uh, YouTube, I'm going to press you guys. If you watch us on YouTube or listen to us on YouTube, like and subscribe. Uh, and hit that bell. We're almost at 200 subscribers. And that's just a little personal, pleasy, happy point that I'd like to get to. That's awesome. Yep. Next uh, episode, 66, which is the official now halfway point. As of so right now. When we're done next week's episode, uh, which we do, we're not taking Thanksgiving week off. Right. Until there are new episodes released, we will be in the middle. 
of Midsummer. No, no, including the six new episodes that they haven't released yet. Oh, okay. We'll be in the middle, including halfway those. done. Yes, we will be halfway done. We don't have a lot of Tom episodes left. It's kind of it's two seasons, but that's really only a handful of episodes. Oh, I'm sad already. Yep, and not that I don't like John, but I don't want to see Tom go. But to rise your spirits for Christmas. Next episode is Talking to the Dead, your favorite episode. Yes. Woohoo! So. Big fun. Remember to kick out the jams, maniacs. <laughs> My song's better. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving to those of you who are in the U.S. and those of you who are out outside of the U.S. Stay healthy, stay happy. Please wear a mask and stay home, folks yep. everywhere. It's just the right thing to do right now. That's right. We'll be here for you. Just wear your maniac merch around the house. Yep. Maybe we should make some masks. We could. Yeah. Yeah. Sacco Fox masks would be appropriate. Sacco Fox masks. (laughs) All right. Till next time. Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. dad call them ladies waiting at the bus stop yeah he was always uh super generous said oh that's a lady waiting for a bus because i i mean generous of spirit not with his cash towards the ladies yes. at the bus stop yes there's generous a big difference there <laughs> yes he gave him a lot of benefit of the doubt yep just waiting for a bus where a bus doesn't come yeah